0: Help, I Got a Mac, podcast episode number 73. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Apple Pie Show.
1: Yes, we're going to bake delicious, yummy, cream filled pies made with apples and all sorts of love. I'm Chris Fighting. And I'm Cliff Ravenscraft, and actually we're not going to do that. We are instead going to
0: help share the love of all things Apple minus the pies. Really? Yeah, because it's the Help I Got a Mac show.
1: Oh man, I was hoping we were going to have pie. Uh, We can
0: have some pie for dessert during the post-show discussion. Anyway, hey, Chef Mark's in the chat room. It looks like he has a question for us this evening. We'll throw in the phone number in the chat room so that he can dial in and of course anybody else in the chat room when i throw this number in make sure you grab a pen and a piece of paper and take it down because you also can call in your live questions but before we do that i understand that there is all things all kinds of things happening in the world of apple that of course i am i remain clueless to and my great friend chris biting is going to tell us all about it where do we start my friend
1: I always scour the web for the greatest in Apple news for the past week, and I have a news story from today that Amazon introduced an iPhone-optimized Kindle bookstore. No way! Yeah, responding to popular requests, uh, Amazon today announced a version of its Kindle electronic bookstore formatted specifically for Apple's multi-touch devices and designed to supplement the recently released Kindle iPhone application. Uh, The optimized Kindle store uh, will allow people to browse more than 280,000 Kindle-formatted books, and it looks like all you need to do on the Kindle for iPhone app, there's a a link to get books, and the new Kindle store will actually open up uh, in Safari on the iPhone or the iPod Touch. So it's pretty cool.
0: Very, very cool. And, and you know, um, in the original recording, for those of you listening in on the podcast, we had just had this conversation just moments ago. Either that or I'm having a very bad case of deja vu. ha <laughs> ha. So uh, I just forgot to hit the record. No, actually, I, I hit the record button. We just forgot to plug in the recorder into
1: the mixer. Yeah. So you weren't hearing me, or you, really?
0: Uh, no, you were hearing me very well. You just uh, We weren't hearing you at all. Of course. Okay. Of course. And, of course, that's the best part of this show because, obviously, Cliff's ma- knowledge of all things Mac is somewhat limited and somewhat <laughs> skewed, too, seeing as how I use a PC about 95% of my time.
1: That's okay. I won't hold it against you.
0: And I appreciate that. Although I will tell people, and I tell them all the time, if you're buying a computer, about eight or nine times out of ten, I'm going to tell you that a, a, a Mac is probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. At least until Windows 7 comes out. And I'm hearing good things about that stuff. But Man, the, it's going to be awesome. We're not here to talk about that right now. But going back to this Kindle thing, I am a huge fan of the Kindle for the iPhone application. And I think it's great. Uh, there's only two things that I, I've said it before. And just in case anybody out there that, that has any influence whatsoever, the only thing it's missing is, uh, are two, uh, two features that I'd love to see. One is I would, ha- I would love to have the ability to search the text of an entire book for a phrase or a word or a keyword. Because there's oftentimes where I've read a book on my iPhone for the Kindle or Kindle for the iPhone application, and I remember something, and I'm having a conversation with somebody else, and I say, oh, there's this, there's this quote in this book. I just need to share it with you. And there's no way to find it on that little thing. It, yeah. It's just impossible. And, of course, there's ways to bookmark pages on the Kindle for the iPhone. However, there's no way to highlight text. I would like it to give me the ability to highlight text because if it allowed me to highlight text, when I bookmark a page, I'll know exactly why I bookmarked that page, rather than having to reread the entire page to find the pertinent information I wanted to uh, recall later.
1: Does, do you know if Stanza can do that or not? Stanza cannot
0: highlight, as far as I'm aware. However, Stanza does allow you to search the entire
1: text. Well, it might. It might do it once you know 3.0 comes out. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really look for, uh, for those that don't know, Stanza's a really nice, and it's not your favorite, but it, it for being free, it's a really nice ebook reader. And Amazon, actually, we talked about it last week, actually bought Stanza, and I think they're going to start to incorporate some, some things from Stanza into Kindle at some point. Gotcha.
0: Well, hey, let's move on to the next story. I understand you have something else going on. I
1: got all sorts of things going on. Uh, yeah, the, the next one is uh, Apple, and this is a little more inside baseball, but it is it is important to realize that Apple freezes Snow Leopard APIs as software nears final stretch. Uh, Apple this past weekend distributed a new beta of macOS 10.6 Snow Leopard that altered the programming methods used to optimize code for the new Macs, telling develop developers that they were the last programming change. I can't read tonight. Programming change, planning ahead for the software's release. So what this basically means is any new behind-the-curtain features for people to create software with this 10.6 is over. So that means we're probably going to see a near-final version in June at the Worldwide Developer Conference, and it'll probably come out this summer if I had, if I have to guess. Gotcha. You know, I'm
0: I'm the type of person, I'm not always all that excited about this kind of announcement due to the fact that, you know... If something's not broke, don't fix it. And, uh, you know, I was fine with Tiger, which was the operating system before Leopard. And it literally took me forever to upgrade to Leopard. And it wasn't until I found a program that was written for Leopard that wouldn't run on Tiger that I upgraded. And so I upgraded uh, my MacBook to Leopard just so I could have screen flow, which, trust me, it was worth... The money for ScreenFlow plus the cost of the OS just to have ScreenFlow.
1: Yeah, typically Mac users are pretty fast to adopt the new operating system because it's kind of like an event. If you go to the Apple Store uh, the night uh, the software is released, like when when ten point five came out, I was waiting in line with a friend of mine, and it's it's like waiting in line for a rock concert. You know, it's it, Apple's just funny that way that these people are waiting in line to give Apple one hundred and twenty nine dollars to get this new OS. And that's not something you really see. I mean, you may see it with uh, Windows Seven, but you don't really see people waiting in line to get a new OS.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not. One, I'm not going to be in line with you there. Maybe iPhone three. You know, the the next generation of iPhone that has you know HD video recording or something like that. I'm I'm in line for that one.
1: Yeah, I I really think though we're, what we're going to see in this one is you know it's going to be a lot faster. I think. I think we're going to see people who are running it on, you know, like I have a, an original MacBook. I think that we're going to see the, the OS be snappier. I really do. I think they're going to optimize it. They're not going to add a lot of new features into 10.6. They're going to work on making it as optimized and as fast and as, as nimble as it can be. So that's a good thing because see, a lot of people who moved from OS 9 back in the day still complain that OS 10 is pretty sluggy. Yeah and see in
0: my opinion that should just be a a a version release. Uh that that shouldn't be an OS release. That should be just a version update.
1: Well, I think the one big thing that they're doing is something called Grand Central and it's not the the, the application that Google bought. But uh what it what Grand Central does is I believe it can it it, it offloads a lot of stuff to the GPU. So I think it's going to be inherently different the way it handles uh, applications and stuff. So it's a big enough change on the back end that it probably warrants a, a new version. Now, it may, it may not be $129. Apple used to for big version releases, uh, you know, ten point one, point two, point three, point four. it used to be free and then, you know, not free. It, they, they used to switch back and forth. You used to, I think for the first two, you got them for free or something. So yeah, I, they, they, they may make it free or maybe make it, you know, 49 bucks or something for an upgrade, but who
0: knows? Yeah, I, I probably will be one of those people that is just going to hold out until for, I mean, unless, unless they come out with another program like Screenfo that I've seen and I, I just can't live without, I may even skip the next version of, yeah. of the OS. And, and you know what? The, the, the problem that Apple has in my household is I don't own just one Mac anymore. So now it's two Macs.
1: Yeah, well, you can get the, uh, they have a multi-user license mm-hmm, but it's more expensive. Right. So. So, but it's still it's still better than what Microsoft offers, which is oh, you have to buy a full version for each one. Well, that's not true.
0: It, it's not better than what Microsoft offers because here and, and let me explain to you in my mind why it's not, uh, because I still am running Windows XP in, um, on all machines that I own that are PC based. And I have not yet found a single piece of software that will only run on Vista.
1: Not one. Well, that's because I'll I'll argue that that the uh, the Mac is the Mac operating system's a little more sophisticated than what but... is. I'll
0: I'll give you, and I'll give you that argument. But what I'm saying though is a new operating system has come out, a very expensive one at that. And I've I've elected to ignore the upgrade to the next operating system. I'm mm-hmm. stuck with I've stayed with the, ex, you know the the stuff I had existing that not broke. Don't fix it kind of stuff. And everything that comes out, if a brand new piece of software uh, comes out from Adobe, you know a brand new version of. As a Matter of fact, I got it. I've got um, Photoshop uh, CE. Is that what it's called? The the biggest Photoshop program you can get. CS4? CS4. I've got CS4 and it was brand new and it came out while Vista was the main operating system and it runs perfect on my XP machine.
1: Yeah, I, I think though what's gonna happen is and I'll speculate that this with, with Windows real quick and then we'll move on. Sure. But but obviously Microsoft has a huge hurdle where they've had the support, you know, stuff from ninety-five and 3.1 and, and all that you know, old school legacy code up up to now. They still have had to support that in some way. And I really think that Windows 7 is going to be uh, Microsoft's attempt to draw a line in the sand and say, look, all these old applications you're using, they're not going to run on the next version of Windows after Windows 7 because we're going to get rid of all that legacy code so we can start doing more and cooler, innovative things. And that's kind of what's what's neat about the Mac is with Ten point five they introduced you know core animation and then core audio these really cool ways of of running programs where developers can take advantage of all this really really cool stuff that 's not compatible with the old versions but does these amazing neat things that that you 've never seen applications do like like screenflow screenflow is is you know screen capture software, but it does this really really neat thing where you can zoom in and it looks beautiful and you can uh, highlight certain windows and stuff like that. And it takes really big advantage of, of things like core animation to, to drive all that. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree, but I, I still think that there's the valid point that, you know, that the, one of the nice things is that I could stay an XP user for quite some time. And, and even in windows seven, from what I understand, windows seven is going to include windows XP virtualization.
1: Yeah. Only on the higher versions of, of, um, of Windows 7, not like Windows 7 Home Premium or anything. I think it's going to be like Ultimate and then whatever the business version is will support uh, Windows XP.
0: Yeah, and so all the developers are going to not program for Windows 7. They're going to program for what most people still have, which is either a Vista or an XP machine or for businesses who who have legacy up
1: systems. Uh, I think... Next year is going to be the big the big change where developers are going to be like, okay, we need to take advantage of all this cool stuff. Yeah. So
0: I think if they wanted to take, I advantage, hope so. I'm, I'm hoping that's what they do. If they want to take advantage of of cutting out you know, the cutting off the strings to the old way and 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 kind of refreshing, they should do that on the consumer side and not on the business side. I, I think the business side should still have some backwards compatibility and and stuff. So I think that makes sense. Yeah, know, I to, agree. To, to to give the virtualization to the business side of things. And for the home PC user, say, listen, you know, we're going to cut. The-. But the cost has to be a significant difference, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be a lot cheaper to not have that backwards compatibility. Otherwise, yeah. again, I'll skip them.
1: And, and what's funny is people are, are, are touting as this backwards compatibility as something amazing and awesome for Microsoft. A lot of people forget that for the longest time when OS 10 came out, it came with Mac OS 9 and an emulator, so, you could still run your old legacy programs because there was a huge change in the way the architecture works between os nine and mac OS ten, so they had to have the let that had, had to let people have that backwards compatibility and finally, they took it out when they made the switch to the Intel processors because you know those processors are completely different than what they used to be very cool
0: hey, by the way, in the chat room, we want to give a shout out to uh, Mary and Murphy Martin, who are in the chat room, and uh, she said, Mary says that her husband. Uh, Murphy is saying hello to us. So, hello. Hello. All right. Uh, Apple requires iPhone 3.0 support for all new mobile apps. Explain this to
1: me. Sure. Starting last Thursday, iPhone app developers will have no choice but to test against iPhone 3.0 if they want to guarantee their spot in the Apple Store. They've been warned that existing applications may be pulled if support breaks. So, all those folks who are writing applications, if, if... they don't work on 3.0, and you don't have your app ready for 3.0. They're going to yank it at some point.
0: Well, that Which, makes sense. I like that idea.
1: Yeah, because everybody, everybody and their mom uh, is going to download 3.0 the day it comes out and put it on their phone. Yes. And as someone who's running the 3.0 software, Beta 5, it's awesome.
0: <laughs> have you, oh, you have it? Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, you told us that.
1: Yeah, it's great. Copy and paste is awesome.
0: Yeah. I, I need to get in touch with my developer and make sure he's tested my gspn.tv iPhone application against uh, 3.0, I guess. Sweet. Which, it's a pretty pretty um, pared-down, basic application, RSS reader kind of thing, so mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll work. But I'm sure. If anybody notices that it doesn't work after you upgrade to 3.0, please let me know.
1: Yes, and finally, in related iPhone news, Twitterific 2.0 is out.
0: This is for the iPhone application.
1: It is, and, in,
0: uh, and it's a free
1: version. There's free, and then there's the ad-free version, the paid okay. version. And uh, like Tweety, it supports multiple accounts. Okay. Um, adding more to it, though, is uh, you can have a sources page with public with a public timeline, which is pretty cool. Saved searches and a list of current trending topics and then what the really cool thing is when you when you go to type out a message there's these little it's hard to kind of describe unless you see it but there's these little tabs underneath where you're typing
0: uh-huh
1: not typing but, but where your typed results are coming in and you can you can flip those those little tabs and change between a public reply and a, a you know a, a, an at reply or whatever they call that now uh-huh uh, and a direct message so it's very cool looking UI now with with Twitterific, so uh, as someone who has bought Tweety and am using Tweedy on a desktop, you know I'm a little curious to see how Twitterific 2.0 is on the iPhone.
0: Yeah, well I'll tell you what I love my Tweety application, and uh, I I don't even, I, I think that you know Twitterific had this big significant jump. They were the first in the game, and and both on the desktop application, the iPhone application and i'll tell you what they got surpassed very quickly with with all this other stuff that was out there and uh, it'd be hard to get me to switch although um you know uh, i don't even know if i'll check it out <laughs> honestly i love tweety there's nothing, uh, yeah. there's nothing like <laughs> there's nothing i can't do that i want to do on tweety in fact does i wonder if 2.0 have they said that it's going to be able to ping ping.fm
1: uh, no idea. Yeah. Someone in our chat room is saying Twitterific 2.0 is the best Twitter iPhone app right now, and I'll try it. I mean, you know, I, I've paid for Tweety, and this is the great thing about competition is that yes. now now, uh, Lauren at Eight Bits who makes Tweety is now going to go back to the drawing board and go, okay, here's why Twitterific's so awesome. Let's let's incorporate similar features, but maybe make it even better. So. Yeah. This is a good thing.
0: No, I, I agree. Yeah, I am all for. Um, I am all for competition, and I hope that it is as awesome as awesome can be. I, I still, and, unless somebody says, "Oh, wow, it's got the ability to do this," and then I go, "Oh, that'd be nice."
1: Chef Mark just said uh, that TweetDeck has come out with an iPhone version, and I'm one of those people that I don't like TweetDeck because uh-uh. it's just, it's just, it's like I'm piloting. The space shuttle, no doubt. Way, there's just way too many options, and forget and the I, space
0: shuttle. It's more like Mission Control with 85 people in the room.
1: Yeah, now if I was a company or a business monitoring, I, I may use that, or I might use Yahoo's Sideline, uh, but I, I wouldn't use TweetDeck. No, I, if I'm I, just if I'm just a normal dude.
0: Uh, TweetDeck, as far as I'm concerned, it it eats up something that I don't have enough of, and that would be called screen real estate.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Give me single column of all that stuff. You know, that's one of the things I love about Tweety for the Mac. In fact, you know, prior to Tweety for the Mac, I was 100% tweeting on my iPhone or the PC only. In fact, because of that, I hardly used my Mac for anything unless I needed to go somewhere, my my MacBook, and I needed to be portable. But you know what? Now that Tweety for the uh, Mac has come out, I am using that almost exclusively for for my Twitter, twittering outside of using the iPhone. Which I hate to use type on the iPhone, by the way. So I am using my MacBook goes with me and stays open on my desk almost all the time, just so I can Twitter. And so it's, yeah. it's making me, uh, it, it it's you know I, I said at the beginning of the show, either maybe this time or maybe the last time, I can't remember if it got into this one or not. But I said I use a I use the PC about 90 95% of the time. I bet you I'm down to a probably about 80% of the time using a PC and now 20% using the time uh, of the time using a Mac because of that
1: one application. Yeah, when I first got Tweety, I, I was able to use Tweety for the iMac or the iMac. Tweety for the Mac. Uh, in private beta, which was pretty cool of them to, to to include me in that, and I hated it at first. I was like, oh, I don't get this. This isn't. Why is it opening up another window for new messages and stuff like that? And now that I use it, it's like, oh man, why was I using Twitterific? It was so limited. It, it, it's. I just love it. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, and uh, Chef Mark says I like TweetDeck because I can follow my closest friends without having to unfollow everyone else. And he's talking about the the ability to filter. Uh, Through your contact list, so you can actually say, "Hey, I want to create a filter group where you only show me these people." And that—that is, well, it's filtering and grouping two different things. I understand, but technically, you understand what I'm saying. You can create a group, uh, or a tab, or a whatever of a a column, if you will, uh, where it only shows you the people that you choose, and that's kind of neat uh And you know that's a feature that I hope they would build into Tweety, or you know what I hope that's a feature that they build into Twitter. I want to create groups inside Twitter.
1: Yeah, they they may do that as like a if there's a if that's a case to charge for premium Twitter, I'll pay for it. That might be it. I mean, you know, two or three bucks, or or do like Flickr does, where it's like twenty five bucks a year, and you get. Twitter Pro or something.
0: Yeah, I'll pay for it. Because you know, right now I have five, maybe six Twitter accounts. I have one for everybody, which is Twitter Twitter.com slash G S P N by by the way, everybody, and Chris's Twitter.com slash biting B E Mm -hmm. Anyway, um so I have that and then I have one that's called G S P N Super Secret. Which is, uh, it's, it's a Twitter... It's not a secret anymore. I know. Well, you can follow it if you want. But it, uh, the thing is, is, I use that to only follow local people, like friends from church and other friends that are local. And that way I can kind of see what's going on locally. If somebody's going to lunch and they say, hey, I'm getting ready to head here, anybody want to have lunch? I can kind of keep an eye on that. And, yeah. and that's kind of neat. And then, of course, if I ever hit reply, I always reply using my GSPN account. And I, <laughs> and I have other I,
1: accounts like that. I uh, I'm selling my PlayStation 3. What's that? I said I'm I'm selling my PlayStation 3, and uh, I put it up on Twitter, and I actually got someone to buy it. So Twitter has actually made money for me. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> dude. Um, just today, I, I don't know if you saw my. Now you know what there there's another podcast, another tech podcast out there that that you, usually gets a hard time every time they talk about Twitter, and then they say, "Hey, we're never going to talk." You know what? As far as I'm concerned. You know, sure, we're the help I got on Mac podcast, but I love Twitter, and if people don't like it,
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, and you I, know what? It's an application that we use on our iPhones and on our Macs, and and I love it. Yeah.
0: So, so anyway, I want to share with you um, something that was really cool. So the other day, I was on Twitter, and I did a search for High 40 on Twitter on the search Twitter search site,
1: and that is your microphone that makes you sound super awesome. Absolutely. And I wanted to
0: find anybody who was talking about it. So I searched for folks out there that were talking about the high LPR 40. And I use my um, I use an account called follow GSPN. See, the thing is, is when I'm out there and I'm actually advertising, I don't want to use at my my GSPN account to say, hey, so and so, I saw you're talking about the high LPR 40. I have those on sale. Email me and I'll give you the price that you can't beat anywhere else. You know, I don't want to keep filling up my Twitter stream with you know with all my, the people who are following me with those kind of messages. So I use th- so they get that from an at reply that th- where my username is at follow gspn. And if you go to the profile, v- it says don't follow me here. Follow me at twitter dot com slash gspn. I just use this for advertising purposes. Hmm. And so I, that's how that's how I use Twitter. And uh, basically, as a result of that. Um, I was searching, and I, I found a guy, and um, he's interested in buying a Heil. But check this out. It, Lee wrote me an email earlier today. He says, hey, Cliff, it's your fault. But now I'm subscribed to your wife's podcast titled The Full-Time Mom. This is such an awesome show, especially the current episode number 82. If you hadn't tried to sell me a Heil PR-40, I would have never <laughs> known about GSPN. I don't watch TV, so the other podcasts don't interest me. But I love Podcast Answer Man and Full Time Mom. They're amazingly entertaining. Keep up hey, the great get work.
1: little little splash, a uh, little splash action. Nothing wrong with
0: that. That's right, man. So I that, that's what I love about Twitter. You know, and and I found a way to use Twitter and to quote unquote, uh, you know, follow up on people who are talking about podcasting without kind of you know bothering everybody with my you know sales promotions online
1: yeah twitter twitter's as much as you want to put into it really
0: it is and there and there's a lot of good stuff you can do with it all right so anyway, anyway. twitterific 2.0 for the iphone i'll tell you what we want your reviews this is yes. your. We're, we don't usually give out homework here on the help i got a mac show uh but for those of you who are getting ready to to go on summer break you know you're you're getting ready to take your last final for the college semester you know here's a little homework for you to keep your mind well greased and oiled and ready to go go download twitterific 2.0 and call us up and give us a full review. chris what's the phone number the phone number is 859
1: 795 four zero six seven
0: and you can of course give us a call 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 Uh, days a year exactly all right it's a leap year (laughs) so we have a call coming in right now and i would guess that it's probably chef mark is that you chef mark
2: hey how are you guys doing
0: never been better how you doing
2: i'm doing really well um my question tonight is regarding uh networking max um i uh i I had my Airport Extreme for a long time, and I don't, I don't have any other wireless Macs networked to it. However, my good friend and business partner, Jennifer, just moved in in the apartment right above me, and uh, we're actually sharing my Internet connection now, my Wi-Fi. Uh, but I was wondering, what are my options for networking the computers and actually sharing hard drives? And, and whether you know, wh- how, what's the easiest way to go about that? to be able to have certain parts of our computers and hard drives available to each other and have other parts uh, sort of locked behind a firewall or or protected?
0: Excellent question. Chris, go to work, my friend.
1: (laughs) Uh, What you can do is uh, you can enable file sharing under the sharing tab in uh, the sharing folder in system preferences, um, and then you can select, once you turn that on, You can you can select what users or I'm sorry what folders you want them to share, and then if everyone can get it, if they can only do read only or read write, and then it'll tell you what what IP address to use to mount on too. So if you go to file sharing under system preferences, you can decide what folders that they want, and then you can decide what the user access is for each for each thing
2: too. So, okay, cool. That's that's pretty easy. What about the idea of uh, of setting up a one hard drive? that would be kind of like our company hard drive that we can both access and use, um, and use certain files on it so that we don't have to send files back and forth uh, like we have in the past. Is, I would, is there the easiest way, uh, sort of best practices for that?
1: I would. If you have the brand new airport extreme base station, you can hang a network attached storage. you can hang a USB hard drive off the back of it. Yeah. And that's what I would do.
2: Absolutely. And then it simply would uh, come, then would I didn't click that particular hard drive and for file sh- file sharing or or like it, would it be different from normal file sharing?
1: No, it, both any user on the network would see it as as just a network attached drive. Okay. So that that's what I would do, and I mean you can't really do a whole lot of version control on it, but you know, and yeah. anybody on anybody authenticated on your network can can map that drive and use it. Very cool. Well,
2: that, that I'm not so worried about. Um, uh, I think that's that's pretty good. What about um, what about? Here's a question in terms of the, the networking. Sometimes you know when you look on your computer, you find like other computers listed there that that are just within range. Um, is there something that I should be doing to actually keep other people from being able to map that?
1: Uh, just your wireless security. Yeah, they'll have to. A lot of people. A lot of those things you'll see are Windows users that have Windows networking turned on. Those those even—that's
2: exactly what that is. I see people in my in my building that I know, and I know that they use Windows, and I can see their computers. Uh, I I haven't bothered to try to look at them, but I can see that they're listed there.
1: Yeah, you'd still need an account for that too. I mean, there's ways probably to get around it, but on the Mac, I think it's a little bit stronger. You'll still need—you know—people could probably see that you have a, a mounted drive, but they can't get to it. And if it's off of the Airport Extreme, they can't see it at all if you're using you know WPA2 encryption.
2: Okay. And then the last little question there is about using uh, sharing printers. I know that the traditional way of sharing printer would be to plug it into the back of the AirPort Extreme, and uh, I wonder if I could do both the uh, a network hard drive and the printer um, using that, like a wired printer, or if I would yeah. have to use a wireless printer.
1: No, according to Apple, you you can hook a little hub up to that and put both of them on there. Now, it is. Uh, I've never had really, really good luck doing uh, printer support through an Airport Extreme, um, especially in a mixed environment. So if you have people on a on a Windows machine, it may be a little hairy. Generally, on all Macs, it's pretty
2: good. Yeah, we're we're both using Macs. I mean, I have a Windows Windows machine, but I have it sort of living by itself, and it has its own printer uh, here in my little desk setup. So it's, it's I I when I first got my Mac, I struggled with that. And I just said, I'll forget it. I'll just do it. You know, just do it the old-fashioned way. Um, so. So if I need to share files between my Mac and my PC, I do it the old-fashioned way by emailing, uh, you know, things like that. Um, and then the last little bit is if we do have a wireless printer, which we do, um, would you just set it up on the, on the home base station? Uh, because, the, for example, Jennifer has a wireless printer, and, it, and it's slaved to her computer. Uh, but we would, will we just set it up on the, on the airport extreme that's, that's well, in my
1: apartment? Well, if, if the printer is, is, has built-in wireless automatically... You you yes. don't you all you need to do is I think all you need to do is set up the the printer to, to to connect to your airport wirelessly and then Bonjour will take care of the rest of of connecting your computers to the printer through the network. Okay,
2: so you basically just set it. You just turn them on and then let them discover each other. Exactly. Okay, great. So gee, Macs are so simple
1: <laughs> <laughs> on paper. <laughs> on paper, in, in theory. <laughs> hey.
2: Believe me, I know. I've tried it in many ways, you know, and I'm not. I'm not a fanboy. You know me. I am not a fanboy.
1: But yeah, a wireless. lot of a lot of a lot of new higher end printers have built in wireless cards in them automatically. So uh, I would go that route if you can, because most of the time it's going to be real easy to set up. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's the kind that that's the kind that we have. We were very lucky when we were um, when we were audience guests at the Martha Stewart Show when she had her blogging show. Uh, we all got. We all walked away with HP
3: wireless printers.
1: Nice. Oh, nice! Yeah. Now, wh- now, one of the cool things I, I, I know you—I I don't know if you're a Mobile Me customer or not, but if you do have uh, your drive hanging off of your Airport Express, I think you can go through MobileMe and access your drive.
2: Yeah, no, don't. We do not use MobileMe. Me.
1: Okay, just let you know just in case. But
2: on my P- on my PC, interestingly enough, the the Apple software is always trying to get me to install Mobile Me, and I'm just like that's ridiculous <laughs> on my Windows machine.
1: Yeah. Well, it's for things right, like well, that. Like, you can go back to your Mac and, and access your wireless hard drive and stuff. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks a lot, guys. That's Thank good. you, Mark, uh, I, for I've calling in. been the last several weeks on the Monday night, so I'm glad that I'm here.
0: Very right awesome.
2: On. All right. Catch you guys later.
0: All right. Thanks. So, uh, next up, we're going to be taking a call here from... Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be Mary or uh, Murphy that's going to call in, but one of the two are going to call in right now. But before we take their call, Chris... Um, once they call in, we'll put them on hold for a moment. Uh, But can you go ahead and uh, read the question from Eric Fisher?
1: Sure. It's more of a statement than a question, but I want to talk about it. He says, forget the iPhone. Check this out. I'm seriously considering getting one of these. And uh, he says, does anybody have one or help me discuss the pros and cons of this? And what it is is something called a peak. And what the device – yeah, what the device does is uh, you can do some ping FM stuff. You can go in you can check. Basically, it's like an email. Uh, it's like a smartphone, but there's no phone, and all you can do is really like email and SMS on it. And uh, the the app, I think the, the the little hardware device is normally about eighty bucks, but you can get it for fifty through ping FM. And I think it's serviced for twenty bucks a month. And he's wondering if it's good, if it's bad, what what we think of it, and. I think if you had like a really, really simple uh, cell phone and you didn't want to jump in with an iPhone or a BlackBerry and you didn't want to pay that $30 a month uh, for data and you just wanted something to check email, I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's, it's definitely not for me.
0: Yeah, it, I would say the same thing. I've, I've seen the peak ever since it very first came out. Uh, it was pretty exciting. I think what it would be great for... Uh, would be probably like a high school student, somebody that mm-hmm. you know maybe isn't going to be getting their own iPhone with sixty dollar a month data package, uh, but yet they've got you know maybe this peak device that allows them to check the email on the go and and do some SMS messaging.
1: Yeah, uh, and it uses T Mobile's network, which really, if if you got a high school student. I think you can get like a sidekick yeah. for the same amount of price. I mean, and it's, and it's a phone, and, and you can do email on it. So, yeah.
0: I, I personally, I, I feel like it's it's, it's a very limited uh, functionality piece of equipment. And and you know, as far as forgetting about the, I, I now I'm not saying that it's not viable. In fact, I know some of our listeners who do have one of these.
1: Now, and, if it had if it had a web browser on it, and if it was just like an internet device, and it had no phone. Yes. Then and for the same price, then that would be a pretty sweet little 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 Exactly.
0: But it it is very limited in that it's only going to be doing email and SMS. Yep. Yeah. So uh, there there won't be any ebook reading on it. There won't be any kind of uh, calculator functionality. Nope. Uh, You're not going to have your contacts or your calendar on it. Uh, Twitter. You're not going to be twittering. Uh, so so yeah, this thing is. I mean, as far as forget the iPhone, I, I think that that's an unfair comparison. uh, But maybe forget the jitterbug. Yeah, forget the jitterbug. Go. <laughs> <deep>. <laughs> All right. Did you want to read some of the things that other people had responded? Uh, what, What's
1: Chris K got on here? Sure. Just one more from Chris from Chris K. I was looking on Apple's website and I saw the preorder option for The Sims Three. Personally, they can make a game called quote Paint Drying. And that would be more entertaining for me than The Sims, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) In the system requirements, the OS required uh, is 10.5.7, and the release date is June 2nd. Since we're on 10.5.6 now, it sure looks like to me that we're getting an OS upgrade sometime in May. And the rumor is it's going to be out probably by the end of the week, if not the beginning of next week. Uh, There was one more issue uh, with ten point five point seven that was that was seeded to developers, and I think they 're going to squish that bug probably they probably squished it this weekend
0: all righty and we 've got some other co- things, but first we 're going to turn to our phone line where who do we have on the phone Is it Murphy or mary murphy hey murphy how 's it going
3: all pretty good. I have a, a question about my MacBook Pro. Um, I've kind of told you guys before. I'm an IT administrator for a, a radio uh, company, and I'm having to still program some things that are that are Windows based. So I bought um, not Parallels, but the other uh, VM Fusion, VMware, yeah. It, uh, yeah, VMware, and put it put um, XP on my machine, um, and I run it. But the problem is when I need to program like switches or I program some of our other little devices, it. When I try to program a static IP it's still picking up on something else besides um, the IP address it won't even pick up anything that i 'm trying to program like if I try to ping something on the Windows side, it will not ping anything is there something I can do with that or is, or is it better just to go to a Windows machine and do that or is just something the mac won't be able to do in a windows environment uh, <laughs> problem I'm, like i'm trying to program a Cisco switch and yeah no matter how no matter how i Set it up. It it's it just the it, it, telnet won't pick up. Uh, I can't ping things. I mean, it's just I'm just wondering if that's something that the Mac just won't be able to do it in that Windows environment.
1: Well, um, what I'm thinking is um, VMware. I know sets up some kind of NAT. Uh, right. Yeah. If you try to go straight through.
3: Right, and it's no, it won't. I mean, even if I like I said, even if I make the the IP static, it's still picking up on this NAT IP address. That's and like it, it won't see anything that's on. Like if I make a one ninety two one sixty eight dot one dot one, okay, and yeah. it, it still it still wants to see that net address no matter what. I mean I don't know yeah. why it just does, uh, and I've I've tried to mess with it. And I think maybe I mean I don't I don't, really don't want to put Windows as a, as a bull do, a, a dual boot for uh, boot camp because I just don't want to yeah. mess up my Mac. But um, I mean I just wonder if that was a if that's something I'm, I might need to buy like a little. Cheap laptop to go, like a PC laptop, just to, to to work
1: on that. I hate recommending that, but yeah, I mean, uh, other than do a boot camp, I think that's probably going to be your your only solution. And if it was me, that would be a great opportunity to get one of those little netbooks.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm definitely what I'm about doing. It's you know, you can get them for two hundred dollars. So it's yeah. If I mean, anything, it's, it's, it's an, an excuse to buy a new toy. Right, exactly, and my wife's going love me right now. Here, she's hearing this. So, uh, one other question: I have the the eye uh, iTouch. Is three point going to come out for the iTouch also?
0: Yeah, I think you have to pay a small fee to upgrade it, though.
1: Yeah,
3: Jelly, it's about ten about ten
1: bucks. But really, after after using the three point software for mm-hmm. I don't know almost a month now, it's ten bucks is not going to be a big deal.
3: Oh no, no, not a problem. I, and, I, and y'all might have I might have missed this last week. If y'all have talked about it in the last couple weeks, I just hadn't been able to listen. Um, do y'all have any information on the the i I mean the iPhone Light coming to Verizon?
1: I have There's been oh, I've heard no one no one obviously no one knows anything until Steve or Phil or, or Scott or any of those guys from Apple says so. But the rumors okay. are that that Verizon he, it, the, the rumors are if something may come out, maybe a media tablet the the thought is though no one really thinks apple will go ahead and develop just a cdma based phone and verizon's coming out with something in a few years maybe 2 years or so called lte which is like super high bandwidth you know 100 megabits down I mean faster than the broadband most people have at their house and it's going to be it's going to be gsm based and the thought is it would be really a, a lot easier for apple just to say look this is coming out in two years. We'll develop this, and we'll have the first LTE-based iPhone on Verizon, and then everybody else can use it too. So I think that's what's okay. going to happen.
3: Okay, because I did see the tablet. I just heard them talk about the iPhone Light. I was just holding off. Where I work at, they pay for us Verizon services, so I don't really want to go pay for a for an iPhone and pay for services if I can, you know, while I'm getting something for free. I, and I, I didn't think about the storm.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I've heard bad bad things about the storm. I, I think if we don't see anything any announcement at worldwide developer conference which is like the big beginning, the beginning in Ju- the beginning of June then i would say it's probably not going to be another for at least another year maybe two before we hear anything else about that. All right, thank-
2: Well, thank you guys.
0: Hey Murphy, thanks for calling in, man. And uh, i forgot to say this to to Chef Mark, but uh uh this goes to him as well, but thank thank you for both of you guys uh being plus members. And uh that is that's just a huge honor and uh we thank you for helping to support the content we produce here at gspn.tv. Yes. All right, so uh, let's see here. Back to a few other things we've got in line. Uh, Aaron B. says, I was having some problems uh, with the application on the iPhone recently, and I deleted the app on my iPhone, redownload and reinstalled the application, only now the app isn't showing up anywhere on my phone. Uh, it's downloading okay in iTunes, but it doesn't seem to be syncing to the phone. Any suggestions on how I can get the app back on my phone?
1: Yeah, a lot of times when you uninstall an app from the phone and sync back up with iTunes, it it, it goes ahead and unchecks it in the list of applications. So when you plug your iPhone back in, you're going to see a bunch of tabs up top. It's going to say summary, info, ringtones, yada, yada, yada. The last one's going to be applications. You might want to check in that and make sure that it's not unchecked, because if it's not, then it won't sync back to the phone.
0: Can I tell you something that happened to me the other day, Chris? And I was so frustrated. Sure. Somehow, and I can't imagine that I did this, but somehow, I guess maybe I had my iPhone um uh plugged into the to iTunes to the USB cord, mm-hmm. and that little tab got unchecked. Or mm. something happened. And the next time I synced, it actually...
1: Blew away all your apps? Blew
0: away all my apps.
1: Oh, it's yeah. awful. Yes. Because I don't know if you're like me. I, sp- I am like meticulous about where my apps are on my phone.
0: I can't find anything on my phone, and I don't have time to put it all back where it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, they really need to come out with some kind of nice, elegant solution so you can organize your apps on iTunes itself. Yeah, something. Because it is a pain to... like. Hold in the app and wait for it to wiggle and then move it around. Oh, it's painful. Well, not only that, but I had I
0: had stored passwords that were missing and mm. and and profiles that were missing, and ah, it was frustrating. And the thing is, is is that it did a it did a complete backup and sync. You know, after that, and before I even recognized that it did ah. this. Are you able to go in and dig through archives of old backups of your iPhone?
1: yeah actually you can uh, if you click on your iPhone and iTunes yes. and go to where is it I think it's summary and when you go to restore there'll be a little drop down box that'll say which, which backup do you want to do And they're all time stamped and I don't know how many it keeps but at least keeps the last two backups
0: keeps the last two backups yeah I've heard that I haven't, I haven't gone in and found it just yet though Gotcha. All right. Steven Cross says, I like to listen to the Help I Got a Mac live, but I'm often out on Mondays with the kids. Softball or track, usually softball or track meet. Is there a way to watch the stream or to hear the stream of the audio live on an iPhone? Technically, this is possible. I have not yet subscribed to all the services to make that stuff happen. Um, at this point in time, the, the audience for that is very low. Um, and. The, the, there, there are monthly fees associated with it, plus there would be a whole new iPhone application or at least some kind of uh, subscription for me to sign up for one of the apps that take on live streams. So it's not something I've, I've uh, really pursued highly just yet.
1: It's a shame that Ustream can't do anything over 3G. Over 3G, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you, you know what would be nice is if they had the ability to say, you know what, we're not going to give you the video, but let me deliver you the audio over 3G.
1: Yeah, UStream audio. Yeah, that would be perfect. UStream, do that. I know you're listening.
0: There you go. We'll call. I know,
1: I know the CEO Bob UStream listens and watches this show. So. Actually,
0: it's not Bob. It's um, oh gosh, not Brad. Uh, oh, now I can't remember his last name. His last name's not Ustream? No, it's uh, Brad... um, (laughs) I can't think of his last name. But anyway... Well, you should email him and and suggest that. I will. That's a good idea. So anyway, I'll get in touch with Brad and and see if there's any way that they can create like that. But I don't... Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe. Anything's possible. You know, we got the Creation Museum to put in recycle bins, you you know? Oh, yeah? Yeah. We did a... We did a... uh, We did... uh, My co-host, DG, for the About the Church podcast... Mm -hmm. Uh, gave his thoughts and feelings in review of his tour of the Creation Museum. And one of his biggest criticisms was the fact that he went to throw away a plastic bottle, and he asked, where can I throw this? And, 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 you know, do you have any place I can recycle this? And they said, no, just go ahead and throw it in the trash. (laughs) And and so we had a big, long discussion on the About the Church podcast. Well, guess what? Uh, We have people that work at the museum that listen to our podcast. It got circulated through the... Through the channels there, they listened to the review, and by golly, they got recycle bins.
1: Yeah, I, I think recycling is not a political thing or a religious thing. It's a, it's just you know, it's, it's something nice to do. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Reduce your waste. Reduce the waste. All right. So, hey, Cliff and Chris, I've tried my. Okay, this comes from Chris Ross by from uh, Charleston, West Virginia, by the way. Nice. Last week he called in and had some issues getting his uh, printer hooked up to the, uh, the to the Airport Extreme. Because his PC or his Mac both wouldn't, wouldn't get it. So we told him to attach the uh, printer to his PC, share that device, and then uh, let Bonjour on the Mac find it. So this is what he wrote back. He says, hey, I've tried to set up my printer the way you suggested, but I haven't been able to get my MacBook to recognize my printer while, I'm running through, while it's running through my PC via the USB cable. <laughs> You said to use Bonjour to set it up on my Mac, but I don't have that application and it doesn't seem to be on the airport CD for the Mac installation. What am I missing here? I'm guessing it's obvious, but when I went into the system preferences and tried to configure the printer, I couldn't get it to do anything. I've looked at a few websites but haven't been able to make sense of this. Most of the suggestions seem to be uh, about getting around firewall issues. I'm going to try to use my USB port on the airport for external hard drive, but uh, I want to fix this printer issue first. And Chris, before you go, let me have a try at this. Go for it. I'm just going to give this a shot. Mm -hmm. All right. So first of all, Bonjour is not technically an application you're going to find in your applications folder. Nope. Uh, Bonjour is something that's built into the operating system. Listen to me sounding like I'm a Mac pro.
1: Uh, I know you're like a ninja.
0: All right. So here's what you do. First things first, you plug in the USB cable and printer, hook it up to your PC. Make sure that your PC is is has it installed with all the proper drivers, and by doing that, simply go into your control panel, go into your printer settings, and then right-click, go to the properties, and click the test page, print a test page. As long as your PC is able to print to that printer, you're good to go, as long as you take the next couple steps. So next step that you want to do is right-click on um, your printers. In fact, I'm going to look at mine real quickly here. So I'm going to go to printers and faxes under my control panel. I've got my brother HL2070N printer in here. I'm going to right-click, and I'm going to click on sharing. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, instead of do not share this printer, I'm just going to put, put in here share this printer. And I just called it studio printer. And that's all you do. You hit apply, and you're done on the PC side. Now, as long as your Mac is installed on the same network as your PC, uh, what you've just now done is you have turned your PC into a print server. Mm -hmm. And so it is now serving the information about your printer out onto the network. So it's automatically happening. Now, here's how you get your – this is how I got my Mac to recognize my printer. I simply went into a program where I needed to print a document. I clicked the print button and there are options to choose, you know, printers and stuff. And isn't there an option on the Mac that says Bonjour printers or printers found by Bonjour? Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to find that that printer, whatever name you gave it, you should see it in there.
1: Yeah. That that should work. The on the, on the flip side, uh a lot of people don't know that you can download Bonjour for Windows. Okay. So if you download Bonjour for Windows, there is a print wizard in there. So if you do have your printer hooked up to um, the airport ec- extreme, in theory, it should find it for you uh, and configure it automatically. If not, though, it might not. I would, I would probably use Cliff's method. Awesome. You
0: know what? i tell you what. I hit the wrong button. Here we go. How's this one? That's better. Ah, there we go. Hey, did I not sound like a pro? You did. You sounded like you knew what you were talking about. I'm ready to get my job over there at the Genius Bar. That's all I got to say.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe us doing the podcast now for over a year uh, is starting to rub off on you. You know what? I
0: think it's uh, more has has more to do with the fact that I've been experiencing these same problems trying to get my Mac and my PC to live in the same house together without problems.
1: Hey, you know, e- even I have problems with my Mac all on right. a daily basis. Well, folks, we so
0: appreciate you guys. Thank you. For subscribing to the Help I Got a Mac podcast. Um, of course, you can find us online, follow us throughout the week, You know, find out what we're having for lunch and when we brush our teeth because we put it all on Twitter. We do.
1: Uh, you should follow us. I'm twitter.com slash gspn. And I'm twitter.com slash biting. It's B-E-I-T-I-N-G. And, of course, uh, we would love to have your calls You can give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Chris is going to tell you that phone number right now. It's 859-795-4067. That number again, 859-795-4067.
0: That's right. And, of course, if you want to go straight to the gspn.tv community forum where the show notes for this episode are, go to helpigotamac.com. And, of course, just click on the button that says, hey, click here for the show notes. You'll be taken right into that section of our forum. And we would love to hear from you. Interact with other Mac users. You don't have to wait, by the way, until next Monday to get answers to your questions. There are lots of uh, Mac fans who are posting questions and answers to other people's questions in the forum. It's a great way to get to know some other people in the gspn.tv community. We encourage you to come and register for an account over at the forum. It is free Mm-hmm. And we want nothing more than to uh, get to know you.
1: And what's cool is we'll sometimes, even if it's already been answered, sometimes we'll still take the question and put Cliff and I's spin on it. Exactly.
0: And of course, uh, you can email us your questions. It's it's the least favorable way because we'd love to hear your voice or at least have you interact with the community on the forum. But if you're really shy, you can email us at feedback at gspn. That's feedback at gspn.tv. And, of course, we want to invite you to come here next Monday night, any Monday night, as long as Chris and I are alive and kicking and we don't have the swine flu, uh, then we'll be here. And that's uh, every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at gspn.tv slash live. And uh, the only other thing I have to say, Chris, is this is going out on the free feed this week. And that means uh, for those of you listening to this uh, who found us on iTunes recently, you can get us weekly, every single week, as well as a ton of other shows. Please check out and find out what it means to be a Plus member. If nothing else, let your curiosity send you right over to gspn.tv slash Plus. Listen to some of the testimonials. If you have any questions about it, email me at that feedback address and we'll answer any questions you might have Chris thanks again and we'll talk to you next week man see ya